You're listening to Work Tape, Episode 2. So welcome to the Work Tape Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Mitchell Palmer, with Best Shirts in the Business. Right next to me, Isaac Groven Groover, the it, king of comfort. We are we are <laughs> on polar opposites of the spectrum today, but that is in more o- ways than one. But that is okay. There's the yin and yang. It's everything needs balance. Um, so it's perfect. So as time progresses, as whatnot, and you know, time being linear, we hit some landmark periods of music, and specifically with some of these very seminal, influential albums. And one of the ones that influences me still to this day that I think is hitting just as hard now as when as, as when it was originally released over 50 years ago, or actually 50 years ago exactly, is uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Um, the very definition of a perfect concept album, start to finish, the fluidity of, of the music is extremely solid. To me, the first... Six tracks on that album really feel like the same song. That album's like a good cup of like really smooth coffee. Right. And that's very much the kind of thing where, you know, you you sit back and you listen to it. You're not skipping anything on that album. No, you're not. So that's the kind of the, the landmark sign of it. And I think that so much of the themes and so much of the topics discussed in it are still very relevant today in many scary ways. Everything from police brutality to... Uh, inner city poverty to climate change as well. And, you know, the looming fear that uh, if we're not taking better care of our planet, that uh, it may be gone. So uh, once again, I feel like, you know, a lot hasn't changed. And I think it's aged incredibly well because of that. And of course, it stays ever relevant. Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, I cannot refute how great that album is. Yeah, I mean, it's so good that, you know, it's the number one according to Rolling Stone, which say what you will about Rolling Stone as a as a publisher. Well, they can be right sometimes. Yeah, not all the time, though. <laughs> Most of the time. Mm-hmm. All the, I mean, it's it's there's some old <laughs> there's some old heads who are trying to stay hip at Rolling Stone. And this is why you have the work tape. Everyone's going to die. That's why you have the work tape <laughs> alternative, folks. Anyways, another album that is celebrating a big landmark is Nevermind. Yes, the Nirvana album of 1991, which September 1991, right? Yeah, so it's still a ways out, but the year is is still going to be 30 years, and it kind of cemented grunge as we kind of knocked Michael Jackson out of that spot. No disrespect, because I love Michael Jackson, but Nirvana, you know, right. That weird uh, Meat Puppets and uh, Husker Du sound, Mm -hmm. Sonic Youth, bringing all those sounds from the 80s well into the 90s. Yeah, kind of of had the 80s underground come to a mainstream attention in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, But kind of also just further cemented Nirvana as a force to be reckoned with in the music industry and kind of really further solidified Kurt Cobain's iconic status as a frontman. Uh, that was something beyond Nirvana itself in a lot of cases. Almost uh, an accidental poet, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He he definitely was not, especially in a, a period of time where the visuals of music were becoming just as important as the music itself. He was definitely not the atypical person that you would have expected to thrive no. in a kind of visual-centric music industry. He was an absolute mainstream misfit. Right, And uh, his, speaking of mainstream misfits, uh, we seem to be getting a bit of a resurgence of some of that energy through uh, some of these female artists that are coming into the game, taking over. Do tell. Of course, of course, Billie Eilish has to be, you know, kind of top on that list. You know, many people. She paid us. Right. (laughs) No, Uh, I'm still waiting on that check, um, either from (laughs) either from Billy or from Phineas. Go ahead and, and throw some checks. I know that we've. Has some controversial opinions, but I will still t- I will still take your money. I know you have it. Um, no, but Billie Eilish has to be on the top of the list because she's had the direct comparison to Kurt Cobain of being the Kurt Cobain of the generation. Uh, but Olivia Rodrigo as well is kind of, um, once again, you know, an artist that I feel is kind of in that same spirit, kind of uh, relating to kind of the youth in a way. Um, and, and making music that's speaking directly to the youth. but uh, That was uh, Sour, right? It was released three, four, maybe five days ago? Yeah, it's very, very recent. Mm-hmm. And we've been hearing tracks off of it for pretty much this last year for, you know, Driver's License being kind of an overnight 
success. But uh, what what are your some of the thoughts on that? Well, uh, I know it's called sour, but my thoughts are rather bittersweet. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Wow, punny. Oh, it's they're coming. Uh, so um, I think she's good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take back that. Really, that was a mistake. <laughs> I think she is good. Her voice is really good. Yeah, definitely got the chops. From an artistic point of view, I think it's just, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's bad. I think that maybe they could dial it back a bit with the marketing. I thought that the album cover was rather tacky and too relevant. Mm. I think every girl, teenage girl, has used that sticker filter. Yeah. Maybe one or two or a hundred times too many. But you know, <laughs> but, but you know, relatability, right? So, and that's the problem I have with it, but it, they're really small gripes. Um, I think that album is littered with some really great tracks, but I think that there are a lot of tracks where there's a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is her debut. Let's uh, find out as we listen on. Yeah. To see if, if she can kind of do her own thing or if it's going to be more of like kind of a Billie Eilish. Clone. Nevertheless, the potential is there. Yeah, it is there. I just don't think that it's, I don't think that this album is it. No, not, not, well, I mean, it is, it it, is quite overrated because everyone wants it to be it, but it's not it. Right. Well, I mean, I think time is, is going to tell, I think with this, this kind of situation. And, um, I think with some of these artists really, you know, taking huge, huge real estate in the pop music game as we know it, um, I, I feel like it is kind of a lot of the indie girl, uh, revitalized or maybe updated even is kind of, or upgraded. Even. Revised. <laughs> yeah. In that sense. Um, you know, you were talking to me before about how you felt like a lot of Olivia takes a lot from Lord, you know, as, a, oh my goodness, there's so much Lord in that album. Um, well, at least in the areas where, uh, Lord peaked through, she peaked through very heavily. Yeah. And it was hard for me to disassociate that from, uh, from Lord. I felt that it was sometimes hard to hear Olivia. Because of that, you know, mm-hmm. it was it was almost too much of someone. And that's kind of what I was kind of hinting out uh, maybe, what, two minutes ago um, when I said it was a bit overrated. I kind of felt like it wasn't really it for me. I feel like because it's a, deb- a debut, she's still kind of experimenting. And I, I hear too many of these other people in there. I kind of need to wait before I can give my full opinion on Olivia's autonomy. I don't know who she is as an artist, like mm-hmm. where it's fully... Or mostly her. Yeah. Because you're never going to fool yourself. You're always going to take from other people. Mm -hmm. But how much do you take from other people? Right. And I feel like with every debut album, I feel like there is a little bit of kind of wearing influences on the sleeve. You can hear a lot of Haley Williams in it as well, too. That's that's a very interesting comparison. um, Just because I feel like with both Lord and, um, well, Paramore, but specifically Haley Williams, I feel like they kind of had moments in the sun and and kind of in some cases fell off a bit hard at least from popular mainstream music right um especially lord lord seemed to really get more of her kind of clout and following more in kind of the independent and kind of snob communities as i would say um a lot of the 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 music snobs that we talked about on even like the last episode well, kind I'm, of, I'm one of them. As am I. But you know what I'm saying. You know, the people that are in in that circle of of music listening and and um, you know whatnot, they they really appreciated that that last album that she put out. And, right. The ones who are hard to please. Right. Yeah. And uh, we haven't heard anything since, so I don't know what is going on there. I don't know if she's deciding to kind of take a hiatus or what's going on, or maybe it's just a new, a new sound. I think every artist, they have their 10 to 15 years of relevancy and then it kind of fades after time. Ah, but not Coldplay. Coldplay has been around for there 20 There are years. some exceptions, but the exception is still not the rule. Yep. So we always- Like Radiohead. Radiohead's probably one of those few bands where they hmm. stay relevant no matter what time they're in. Very, it's, this is not common though. Oh yeah, definitely just not. Just remind you. And I mean, actually, come to think of it, you know, uh, just last year, Kid A was 20 years old as of just last year. Right. Well, we'll have to do that in nine years. <laughs> yeah. Well, to well, I mean, th- that album is is so is so the full of gems around. that I feel like we, you could almost make an entire episode just on that album and just kind of how they changed the game in, in terms of um, a lot of electronic being brought in. I mean, they, they completely did a, a, an entire 180 on their sound. Which was, you know, the, the OK Computer, which, you know, by the way, was no slouch of an album and is probably still their most kind of like acclaimed album by a lot of standards. 
um, both in and the fan base as well as just the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kid A kind of took them in a, a different direction. And um, of course, the, that influence of electronic can be heard still in a lot of these aforementioned artists, but also in, you know, Bonnie Veer and, you know, mm-hmm. whatnot. I think even Coldplay kind of dabbled in that a little bit more on on even like something like Ghost Stories. Like Ghost Stories and Moonshape Pool, if you think about it, are pretty- Ghost Stories, yeah, they, they do have a similar vein. You're right. Ghost Stories hunkers down on that abstract sound a yeah. bit more than their other ones. What did you think about that higher power single that they just put out with Max Martin? You know, maybe 10% of these people are going to understand who I'm talking about, but they had a little bit of everything, everything in there. The rhythm section is pretty cool. Chris kind of loses me a little bit. They've sounded very anthem-y, especially since Viva La Vida. But something about the anthem with higher power, I think it's all right. His voice is good. It's hard for me to get the chain smokers out of my head. With, oh. with Chris, he's he just yeah. But I mean, that song was huge, man. That something just like this was huge. I know it was. For, and as far as the Chainsmokers are concerned, that's actually not a bad song in their catalog. To be quite honest, that's a, all I'm gonna say is that the that's song a high was huge. Point off of that. I know it was huge for their notoriety. That, I that's just, a high point off of that album, though. To be honest with you, that that album that's her high point. Yeah, I don't know. The, the mm. low points are a little mm. well. Uh, well, we're going to, no, we can't, we can't. All things considered, I actually do prefer the least popular. They sound better to me anyway, so I probably will Mm -hmm. like them. Yeah. No, no, um, I, I agree with a lot of those, those sentiments. I think actually what got me about this recent single, it reminded me a lot of Milo Zylato, especially. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And the color scheme they're they're doing the rainbow stuff, but, but they also did it with a head full of dreams. Yeah, but it, it it still was more Milo, especially that opening True. track. Like you know, True. hurts hurts like heaven had a very similar tempo to it. True. Yeah, I've missed a lot of opportunities to see them live. Yeah, you should really get to it before. <laughs> I don't know. It's not Rush of Blood anymore, but I mean, I'm just an old schooler when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, but I mean, there is that kind of there is that kind of thing of. I would have wanted to see them during Ghost Stories, though. That would have been sick. Well, because it was like intimate shows. It was like really low mm-hmm. key. It was low key. It wasn't like seeing them like for Head Full of Dreams. Like it was very bombastic. Ghost Stories worked because that was the vein of Coldplay. That is how they started. And they, they are so good at the bluesy, mm. very just depressing songs. That is their thing. Mm. They at their best were um, when they were doing like parachutes type stuff. Yeah. And, and, they and were- their most energetic Probably X and Y was probably yeah I, the best. I can dig, I can dig, I can dig some X and Y. I think, but it's got to be depressing. I think that album, <laughs> I think that album kind of got hated on a lot. X and Y. X and Y was great. I I like the album, but I mean, there was a lot of fans who thought that it was just a, a U two rip at that time. It was a U two rip, but you know what? It was a good U two rip. It was it was a it was good a U2 really rip. good one. There's some rips that are are great, bro. Uh, yes, there is. I'd say most are bad, but to me, that was one that they hit it. On the head, right? Yeah, and and we we talked and we, we we talked about the bad rips last episode. So yeah, and I mean a lot of stuff's just been been happening in in the music industry here, and of course, um, once again, we are starting to see more of a prevalence of independence from some of these artists, especially with uh, NFTs, which we were actually discussing a little was bit. Coming, we were discussing that a little bit before we even came on air, um, talking about how. Uh, it really may be something to disrupt streaming as we know it, especially with uh, many of these hardcore dedicated fan bases uh, willing to shell out thousands of dollars for even just a rare print of something. Um, and, and you were talking about- well, you like don't want to tell the audience too much. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We totally want to tell you everything. So, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that comes along and how that shapes things with their different fan bases and- the engagement. So how do you think this will affect Spotify and how they uh, run things? Well, they're going to have to pay their artists more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the real long and short of it is that the streaming services have been getting away with paying the artists far too little for far too long. And this is something that could pose a direct challenge to that um, because if they don't respond to kind of this new wave of things, I can see a fair amount of artists jumping ship, especially those with very dedicated fan bases um, jumping ship and, and kind of taking things more into their own hands with the idea of, of the NFTs to, um, you know, recoup, not only recoup a lot of the money they may have spent doing the project, but also just um, to kind of 
give themselves more of an art- artistic control. And- you know, got to hand it to Taylor Swift mm-hmm. for having a big voice with this type of stuff, kind of sticking to Spotify in the earlier days anyway. So uh-huh. it could happen again. Yeah. With someone else, at least. You well, know? well, wait a minute. Didn't Taylor Swift pull a lot of her music from yeah. streaming services? Yeah, because she of- stuck it to them. Yeah. And well, I mean, if you want to go there, you know, I'm sure you heard essentially artist empowerment as a whole. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard about the thing with Taylor Swift uh, re-recording one of her albums because of the yes. whole masters problem. Uh, she re-recorded Fearless and put uh, wow. new tracks on it as well uh, for that reason, which is I actually want to listen to it. Well, yeah, because it's interesting to see kind of. You know, at least for me as an artist, you know, reimagined. Yeah, reimagining songs that you may have been, you know, have been sitting with for, you know, what now, like half a decade or something. Uh, Fearless came out in 08 or 09. Oh, yeah, it's it's pretty close, actually. It's been, yeah, a full decade. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that, you know, she's done some things differently artistically. Everyone was singing in my high school. Yeah, you couldn't. That's one of those (laughs) things you, that's one of the albums like you couldn't really escape for a while. No, could not escape it. Yeah, it was like. Every like, girl and no her. one for heard uh, the kind of sound that she would do, like especially red and all that. No, no one knew all those things that she was going to be, yeah, doing. Well, because I mean, I think she went kind of like into full pop territory, and mm-hmm. then with folklore and God, I still don't know the name of the other album that was put out. Um, Eighty nine, or you mean you mean after folklore? After folklore, there was two. That she, she had two after that. She, no, she had folklore, and then she had another album, and I forgot what the other album. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. are you talking about? Is it love? It might be. Well, there's the a pink one. It was like the yeah, cotton candy one. Yeah, that's before that's folklore the, though. It's from uh, that's before. Yeah, it's before 2019. Was the it? love lover? I think is what it is. Yeah, it's from 2019. Yeah, so the aesthetics I mean, were kind of cool. Yeah, that was. The the song quality was a little questionable. You know what? I think I started listening to that. I never finished it. And I think I kind of liked it from the beginning. I think I got to listen to it again. Were, were you listening to the one with Brandon Urie on it? Ooh, I don't know. I just I don't think I got that far. Oh, you didn't you didn't you didn't get that that was one of the biggest songs off that album was her collaboration with Brandon Urie of I gotta check of, it out. Of Panic, which of course, you know, that's that's a whole thing too with We could. You know, uh just the idea of <laughs> the idea of bands is so weird in 2021 because I feel like, you know, besides Coldplay, besides a few other, you know, exemptions to the rule, I feel like some of these bands that have been around for a while that even got established in the early aughts, I feel like at this point it's become whatever the front man is and company. I feel like it's oh, I feel gosh, like yeah. I feel like it's the one thing I respect a lot about Coldplay coming back to him is that they do make music and contribute as a band and you can hear it unlike yep, yep you're right you're 100% correct i love that and they include the drummer right the drummer gets to sing yeah exactly it never that doesn't Un- happen unlike you know bands like maroon 5 or panic at the disco or one republic where in those respective cases you know it'd be ryan tedder adam levine brennan yuri and all these uh, and these session musicians that i have you bring up a good point and that has been a big trend yeah, because they keep the name. Of course, they're going to keep the name and the likeness because that's kind of what. Oh, bro, I'm going to say it. The wh- Haley Williams Band. Oh, yes. Sorry. We, we, I, we, they they all do. They're all doing yes, that, bro. I'm yes. Sorry. We, we, well, we, we kind of went full circle <laughs> because in a way, Haley Williams was almost shaping up to be almost like at least at one point. I'm Gwen not Stefani. Yes. <laughs> boom yes boom <laughs> yes that was that was what i was thinking at one point i'm like i'm like you know this paramore thing is cool i like their music but i know i have a feeling that Haley williams is gonna ditch them and go the gwen stefani route just like she did with no doubt where you know she got some clout in the critic scene and then mm-hmm. was like yeah i'm gonna go full pop now and i'm just gonna kind of ditch everything i was doing that was cool basically <laughs> In favor of massive billboard success. Yeah. But, when people say, oh, you listen to Paramore? You mean Haley Williams? Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> I mean, basically it is. You know what's funny? Ironically, I really like what she's doing solo. Really? Yeah, I think it's cool. I haven't heard I haven't heard too much of it, so enlighten me a little bit on this. Uh, Well, I already forgot all the songs off her last record, which was released last year. Wow, um, so memorable. I totally a, forgot. No, no, no. Because great I, start. I was, uh, well, COVID was happening last year. I kind of wasn't focusing a lot on artists, so Haley mm-hmm. Williams is one of them. But um, yeah, I think Simmer. Simmer was one of her lead singles, mm-hmm. and it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Aside from Simmer and it being really good, I honestly have completely fallen off the Paramore train. I think the last good one was her self-titled. I thought it was actually pretty good. Yeah. I liked it because it was different. I might have disliked it because it was too different. Yeah. But then I turned I turned to just really like it because it was just completely different from what they've done. I missed the York guys. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously York came back to drum. Yeah. Uh, his guitar brother, I think, is still gone. Oh, York. Faro. I, I'm so sorry. Nope. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Faro brothers were gone. And then uh, I forgot one of the Faro dudes. They came back to drum. And then the other Faro, the mm. rhythm guitar guy. Sorry, Taylor York. I know that you are the lead guitarist. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of felt Paramore really fell off the bandwagon with that. Their singles EP from 2013 with Monster was pretty cool. Or 2011. And then they did Paramore in 2013, the self-titled. And yeah. then after that, After Laughter, first of all, took way too long to come out. And once After Laughter came, it it really felt like a Haley Williams project. It didn't feel like the band anymore. Right. And that kind of... And I heard they're coming out with new music. I will be optimistic, but I'm not really expecting much. But we'll we'll find out what my opinion is. You're going to be a bit cautiously I'm going to be very cautious. I'm not going to be completely unforgiving, Mm. but we've been burned before. And I think everyone just like loved it. But not only was it tacky, it did not sound like Paramore. It felt kind of lazy. It was like, oh yeah, let's take what everyone else is doing with like the new wave throwback scene and then just apply it to our band. And it's like, you know what? You can do that. You can experiment. That's okay. But don't think it's always going to work out for you because it didn't sound, (laughs) it didn't sound good. Right. And I mean, there's a, there's a thing about just bands being kind of like i was listening to blondie (laughs) yeah blondie's good but for like what the late 70s and early 80s i don't want to listen to blondie now through paramore oh no 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 i I wouldn't even want to i mean i wouldn't even want to listen to blondie or cindy lauper or cindy lauper yeah yeah no but i've I've noticed that i've noticed that you know part of maybe if you notice you know there's not like a lot of true standout bands anymore it's a lot of standout solo artists and maybe the reason for that is because of of this quote-unquote laziness that's happening or this kind of um like artistic regression almost you can um, think the 1975 no offense <laughs> <laughs> you just really didn't get on that 1975 hype train did you no like i mean i thought they're you know what speaking of um great like first albums i thought their first album which was the self-titled with chocolate yeah, with chocolate on it. And um, there was another song, Girls. That was another one, too. Um, it was iconic, and it was good for the time. Oh, yeah, because people, of course, mostly girls like that That's band. probably why I don't like it. Mostly girls like that band still um, to this day and whatnot. But I don't know. And don't get me wrong. I have to give Maddie a lot of credit because he's mm-hmm. had some some personal turmoil, and that's kind of what right. caused some things. But and he's gone and he's came out on the other side of that which i think is something that i'm going to applaud him for but i do think that there is kind of a general feeling of 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 kind of laziness especially on on bands to kind of either go really with the current trends of what's going on and trying to like really utilize and capitalize off of it they well, became somewhat of a maroon 5 yeah you know what i mean just well because that first album was so tight and then they right. kind of just steadily drove themselves off of a, a cliff. band like bad sons i think executed that a little bit better and even the neighborhood while they kind of started doing that they still felt a little bit more underground than 1975 but the 1975 turned into a bit of a maroon five kind of lost me yeah they, they, they it didn't I, it just i think they, they kind of grew too quickly I you know think. what i mean yeah i think they kind of grew too quickly because it was like two albums and they were already you know being in top billing for coachella right and I was like, okay, you know, I think you, I think you kind of just grew too quickly, but you know, at least with them, I still feel that they are artistically a band. I don't think it's Maddie. I will and, still take them over GVF any day. I don't think it's Maddie and Company <laughs> like a lot of those things. And I was gonna, you know, throw it back to sure. I, and I was gonna throw and I was gonna throw it back to the Killers as well because that last album, caution, you know, cautiously, you know, looking into that as the the lead in. You know, with them, you know, I'm sure the reason you maybe didn't like that Mirage mm. record was because it was a little too too Brandon Flowers and company. Yeah, you're right. And it wasn't, you know, those those guitar licks that we talked about on on Mr. Brightside being an what a classic. day we're in, what a day and age we're in. Oh, where wow. I will I will take 75 over the killers. The killers. 
Yeah. Yeah, especially because they kind of, you know, cemented that that whole that whole wave of time. And I think, you know, so much of the way that music's being made now too, I feel like it's it really is more of the artists, but just getting a very good backing band to be behind them. It's kind of um it's really a shame. So it happened with uh Panic, it happened with, in my opinion, Paramore, it happened with Killers, and it happened with a lot of these pretty cool bands back in the day. Yeah. Um kind of happened with Patrick Stump. Honestly, oh my, oh Fallout Boy. Well, because I mean that centuries. Yeah, I know. Well, don't even. Yeah, I I didn't even remember really their. I didn't even really remember their last record. There was just nothing. There was nothing to remember off. Oh my gosh, off of that last record, it just it sounded like a mismatch. You know, the other thing too is uh, you have to you have to throw in Weezer in that comp in that thing too. Yeah, Weezer is kind of a a thing as well. It's the rivers, the rivers Cuomo project. Yeah, well, at least I have to give. You're them, right. You, you got a good point. You got a good point. I have to give them credit in a in a in a way because they are willing to completely switch up their style. Like some of the records they put out recently, like Van Weezer. The problem with Weezer is they were oh my gosh, were they such a good band? Fantastic, amazing, fantastic, amazing. One of the, one of the best bands to come out of the nineties. But th- that's the problem is they the were 90s. such a good band and they turned into what they are now. They are a parody <laughs> of themselves. Yeah. And they're a parody of other bands while also being a parody of themselves. Right. And it's almost like they're running out of ideas. Rivers has a great voice. Obviously he has a great voice. He's got a voice that cuts through the mix. The dude's made to make rock and pop hits. Yeah. You know, essentially pop at the end of the day. It's all well, pop. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. Alternative. It's I all, guess it's be. all pop, but for sure. Weezer played heavily into that pop sound and I thought it was good. But, you know, I feel like after um, Beverly Hills and all that, you know, look, let's just let's stretch it out. I know everyone loves Pinkerton and they say that's like the last good one. But we could even go past Islands in the Sun those days, even past right at the Hollywood time. Yeah. Anything after that, maybe up until 2010, I think was passable. But especially the last ones. The summer one was okay. It wasn't my thing, but I kind of like that they were doing different stuff. But Van Weezer. No. No. What what are they doing? <laughs> they, they wanted to throw back to the hair metal. What we were talking about and earlier. And this is the problem is bands are doing the throwback. Paramore have done it and are doing it. And then Weezer are doing it. And then the Killers have been doing it, but they just didn't do it as much. And now they're super into it. So it's like, it's kind of cheesy. They're showing us that they're running out of ideas. They're right. not, they're not experimenting as much. Like, this is why I love Radiohead among other bands. Uh-huh. They don't do that. Right. Even if Radiohead don't always do my favorite thing. Yeah. I always respect them. Definitely. And and you too did that a lot in the '90s with Octung Baby too. Yes. They that was kind of you know before even the before even Radiohead came into fruition. That was kind of one of the first big huge 180s. And you two lose me too, but at least they're not doing what a lot of these bands are doing. Right. Another band from the '90s that's declined hard is Green Day, bro. Green Day. Started off as one of my favorite bands. I American Idiot is a fantastic album. I will still hold that album up in very high. Would you say high. it's one of their their last good ones? You didn't uh, like Twenty First Century? No, no. Twenty First Century is good. Okay. No, 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 no. Twenty First Century is pretty well mixed too. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Every everything that they were doing up until Twenty First Century, but really having American Idiot and Twenty First Century back mm-hmm. to back mm-hmm. were fantastic. That that right. that was kind of their lane. They should have really tried to do that when they got to that uno dos tres thing that they did where they did the three albums consecutively and then they did the revolution radio then father of all which it's just what happened was right they (laughs) they were they were the top i mean like i said american idiot is is an album that has a lot of staying power in my youth it's something i listen to a lot i know i know it almost front to back lyrically even too, just because I've listened to it so much. Great music, but one of your top like 10, 20 albums. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a def. That's absolutely a top 10 album. No question. Sweet. But the thing is, is, you know, you know what, while they were making, you know, American Idiot 21st Century, those, those albums that were very highly regarded, they now are playing into what those bands were doing then. So those, those, those horrible, like garage revivals, like jet or something, or even like the Black Keys, even at times they they're sounding like the Black Keys or um, Portugal the Man 
who's only known for bro same here bro Portu- i hate it oh my gosh I portugal the man who's known for one so you know someone song. who really did that sound very well though who saint motel yeah absolutely. they did that sound very well right and there are so many bands that do not do that sound very well and portugal was one of them yeah, definitely. So St. Motel was a perfect alternative for me during those days. I yeah, loved spe- Motel. Especially when you couldn't escape. I'm a rebel just for the kicks, yeah. Right? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's bringing back. You got like PTSD no. from no. P- Portugal PTSD, oh bro. No, no, no. But for you know, it's funny that. because uh, the Strokes are one of my favorite bands. Oh, dude. The but Strokes. my goodness, that Garage Revival, it's their fault. It is their fault. It is their fault. It is their fault. Um, what, what was the, the album, If This Is It, that they came out with, their debut album? Yeah, no, no. Th- no, they, they are technically, debut and album. even from a songwriting perspective, they're good. But so much of that revival stuff, like these bands copying that and then just coming out with subpar music. That was The Strokes. Yeah, that was their fault. That was The Strokes. Same for The Killers. It's The Killers' fault that bands the 1975, or at least the idea of that whole like throwback new wave sound, that is their fault. Would you say that Arcade Fire would be thrown in that too a little bit? Yes, not more indirectly, but, no. but there, yes. Well, because Arcade Fire started- And I like Arcade Fire. Dude, The Strokes, Killers, and Arcade, I actually like all these bands. They're great. Yeah. In the early 2000s, you weren't, you weren't topping them, especially because they all had really solid- starting debut albums like the, but stroke- the problem is these bands they reference so much of the past so all these these new bands like oh wow it's super hip to now sound like the beatles and all these old school artists like it's like no you don't need to sound like iggy pop just do what you're trying to do right now like, oh oh dude yeah the iggy pop jet and iggy no pop i mean I, I like i like iggy pop i love the stooges i love you know passenger all that stuff but it's like can we look yeah, beyond that a little bit. Yeah, like I like I like Nirvana because they sounded relevant and like Husker Du and Sonic Youth. I don't listen to Nirvana because they sound like Beethoven. Yeah, you know? right. And and the funny thing is, and, and the, there's a difference between um, taking from the past to look to the future yeah. and totally ripping it off. I'm talking about the latter, like right. just totally taking a sound from like the 60s and then repurposing it to now and remastering it and making it like new. Like, I, I hate that. Right. And I think that it's boring. And I think that honestly, with a lot of these top artists, I think, you know, the general public as well as music listeners, we are starting to also get that. I think we're starting to be like, okay, this whole mm-hmm. kind of old made new thing was cool for a while. That was me back in like 2011, 2010. Yeah. I was so angry about it. Everyone loved it. And I was like, you guys are going to get tired of it. Well, I mean, and it, now these bands, because we've enabled them, they're doing it. Yeah. And, and we've, yeah. And, and we, now they're giving a subpar album <laughs> and they expect us to pay for it. Right. Exactly. That's why when they announced that, you know, Green Day and Weezer were going to be on a tour, I'm like, yeah, this would have been cool in 2005, bro. Yeah. Like, this would have been, like, in 2005, if you told me that those two were touring together, I'm like, give, I'll, I'll give you my money right now, and I'll go see them. But, and everyone, everyone was hating on Kanye, but at least he was doing something different. Yes. At he, least he was yes. doing something different. Yes, and he... <laughs> I mean, back. I mean, it kind of, in a way, it kind of comes back to Kanye. You, you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, but no, he definitely has, and he was. <laughs> but of course, he was doing something different in the general pop, and really, and Cage the Elephant. I'm looking at you because you guys did it too. That's a th- that was, Cage the Elephant makes me sad because they had such a really unique sound, especially like with "Ain't No Rest for the Wicked." That's a song that should not have been necessarily a top hit, but it was because it was kind of so weird and out there. With the slide guitar and the and the kind of bluesy tone to it and the and whatnot, like you you listen to that song, you're like, this doesn't sound like a, a top, you know. No, I'm surprised uh, it got so big. Yeah, it's so good. I like it. I like the song too. I like you it. know um what what is it like the the cigarette daydream one or whatever that that, that was uh their Walkman era. That was a uh, cigarette was uh 2013 Melophobia. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. That, that's solid, too. I mean, so, that, so I think they had some solid... Yeah, but then uh, Do You Think I'm Pretty? No. Oh. They had, they had some Everyone solid Everyone loved music. that album. Everyone loved it. I hated it. No, I I just can't... <laughs> I was the only one that hated it. <laughs> right. That's. But sometimes you find yourself in that... Sometimes you find yourself in that camp with especially artists that you really dig and you're really... You've been with since the beginning. You find yourself in the camp of, ah, this recent one just wasn't quite living up to snuff. And so I don't know. I I personally think that 
you know, rock music, if you're looking, I mean, rock and roll, of course, as you stated in a podcast earlier, is always going to be alive in spirit. The problem with rock is the community. And the problem with the rock and roll community is they're very small minded. Mm -hmm. And I love rock. I breathe rock. I am the rock community mm. as well. Yeah. But I have so many gripes with my own family. You guys are way too close minded. You guys <laughs> always want like distorted guitar. Yeah. Get with the times, guys. It's it's not always about distorted guitar. It's about mm -hmm. it's an attitude. It real it really is. Because I mean, you have bands like the Talking Heads who are doing That's rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I would say it's punk music at this point, honestly. Like I, I would say that what they were right. I would say what they were doing was was actually the very definition of even punk music for the They were they, from New York, so New York kinda had that attitude. Yeah. But I would say that they, they still did the punk thing because even in comparison to other punk music that was coming out at that time in the 70s, such as Ramones, such as Black Flag, The Misfits, right. um, all of that Magazine, stuff. Magazine, all that weird stuff. Yeah, all the you know CBGB kind of things, um, that whole scene. They kind of embraced the fact that they were not that at all. And mm -hmm. they made they made almost kind of some ska-influenced things. They, they had more of a cleaner, crisp sound to their... More so the 80s, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The but records. Relatively, yeah. Relatively yeah, to the punk I mean, they were. But, but, right, but yeah. they did that with, with Psycho Killer and Remain in Light, actually, which I right. think which I think Remain in Light hit a, bit, a big uh, landmark, too. I think that hit like 30 years um, in 2020 or something. Cause Dude, I, Talking Heads of the Stuff. It came out in 1980, I think. Which... That album sounds fantastic even now. That um, Once in a Lifetime is as weird as it is for... But that's what made them so cool is that they were just kind of marching by their own beat. Right. And they had some really cool rhythms. Like if, if you want some great rhythm section and uh, great bass playing and just great rhythms. Um, so bottom line, what you're saying is that they definitely, uh, they push against the current. Yeah. Um, Born Under Punches, the first track Born that's off punches, of yep. Remain Under Light is fantastic. So the fact that they had such a, you know, complex rhythm to this scene of things is is fantastic. And yeah, so I just, I don't know. I feel like I, I do agree with you on on kind of the your stance on the rock community, though. That's why you have the the prevalence of bands like GFV because of that kind of very they narrow They say they're bringing back rock and I tell you it never died. Right. It's just your idea of rock is Rush and Led Zeppelin. That's right. Literally. That that's is. all that means. It's, that's rock. I oh, mean, ACDC. That's rock. Uh, Nirvana are rock too. And so are, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The Smiths are rock. Coldplay yeah. are rock. Yes, they are. And people don't like to talk about it. But it's like, uh, that's rock. Radiohead are rock. Muse are rock. Oh, Muse is great. Yeah. I like Muse because honestly, they've done pretty well in terms of like doing their own thing as well. Muse are great. And the fact that it's only three guys is pretty crazy. When you hear so they're like Nirvana, they're a power trio. They're they're yeah. one of those bands. They're like the police and rush. Right. If you want to talk about a good duo band though, have you ever heard of a band called Royal Blood? I love Royal Blood. Royal Blood is fantastic. Actually, no, no, no. You know what I meant to say? I actually love nineteen seven nine. Nineteen seven nine? Yeah. Uh what was it? Rise of Oh, they changed the name. So it's not um it's Death from Above nineteen seven nine. So now they're just called Death from Above. They are a Royal Blood alternative, if you will. Royal Blood's actually really good. I like them. Royal Blood's great. I haven't loved every single thing they're doing, but if I were to tell you the three best duos right now, it'd be definitely 21 Pilots, Royal Blood, and then Death From Above. Yeah. Those three are I gotta, I gotta check great out, group of guys. I got to check out DFA. That's cool. Uh, yeah. no, nothing But Thieves is also a really solid band. They're good too. Solid band as well. Thank you for reminding so, me. I totally forgot about so them. So once again, y'all, you can tune into the Worktape podcast for not only just gems of music history, but also music recommendations for people who say that rock is not going in the same way that it used to. Uh, no, you're just not looking beyond Billboard. Right. You need to look beyond Billboard <laughs> and get into it. No, I'm serious. And, you know, there's a lot of people who, with especially Royal Blood, they say, oh, it's Queens of the Stone Age all over again, which I hear the influence. It, I hear the influence, but they are kind of doing something different. They're doing their own thing. And that's what I liked about them. The only gripe, I always have a gripe about a band, but I don't care who it is. So what's your gripe about Royal Blood? My gripe about Royal Blood is they tend to repeat themselves a bit too much. Yeah, they, they At kind of At least in the past, there. but I think with the new album, even if I don't like it, I will be glad that they're doing something different. 
Yeah, because they have almost kind of a disco-y thing with some yeah. of their drum dun, beats. Dun, 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 yeah, The Trouble's yeah. Coming. I love dun, that song. Dun, dun, yeah. I love that song. And uh, honestly, though, I mean, with the comparisons to, to Queens of the Stone Age, I mean, if you are going to get compared to a band. Queens are one of the coolest bands you could ever get compared I know, to. I know. Like, Let's just say that right now on this podcast, Queens are great. Queens of the Stone Age are fantastic. Like, yeah. Clock, like Clockwork is one of the best albums to come out in the Very last Very few bands years. can come out with something really cool 13, 12 years later after their debut. Yeah, and I mean, I rem- and I remember, you know, getting introduced to Queens of the Stone Age on Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think was it um, fives and sevens I think was on a Guitar Hero game, and then I think Go with the Flow was on Rock Band, I believe. Yep. Um, which They're were so good. Those early stuff, yeah. Jo- Rated R, ah, oh, so jo- good. Yeah, Josh Josh Homme's really a fantastic frontman. Can be a little bit polarizing in yeah. some of his opinions. Did he kick someone in the face? He did. He he straight up <laughs> kick. He straight up kicked somebody in the in the face at a concert, and oh, then he's no. like, "Oh yeah." And then and then get, get a load of this. So not only did he he have he had on like um like basically boots, and he kicked somebody with his boot at the concert. <laughs> And then they I asked him laugh. about it the next day, and his defense was, "Oh, you know, I just get so into the music, I just wasn't paying attention, and I just get so impassioned with the music that I just didn't recognize the fact that I just took my size ten or eleven boot to somebody's face." Like, I think it was a photographer too. I think it was a, a front row photographer for a, a it was press. A photographer. It, it may have been for Rolling Stone. That was in the headlines for a bit. It may have been for Rolling Stone, for all, all we know. Oh, At, then it's okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, or Pitchfork, maybe. Even that, better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I would take Pitchfork over Rolling Stone. I would, too, even with Pitchfork's pretentiousness. I would still yeah, take they are, them. They are our competition, though. So Absolutely, but we, we are seeking to rise above said competition, so we can, we can, so we can throw some shots right now. Anyway, yeah, no, so... I think they actually did their last album was with Mark Ronson, I think, actually, of Uptown Funk fame. He was producing some of the last Queens of the Stone Oh, you Age. mean the one that goes, um, the album, uh, Evil, it's from 2017? Yeah, Evil something, oh. yeah. Yeah, which I thought that made sense. That was actually, a cool... I thought that made sense. Evil had, has landed was a pretty cool riff. Um, yeah. It was that could do without the devil stuff but that's just yeah not just me right. 20 but that was from 2017 yeah i remember that one that, yeah, was, no. that was okay i oh i hated that lead single yeah the lead single was was just it was really bad <laughs> so, no 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 hey dude i told you <laughs> i i leave no punches man i don't i don't yeah i mean it did sound like it almost sounded like a black keys record to a, it sounded like they were it sounded like the strokes it did kind of sound like the yeah, strokes. Yeah, like that. Which the strokes... The strokes can... I don't well, I don't like the strokes when they do it all the time. Oh, like the Smiths, that kind of like yeah. uppity. Smiths, one of the greatest bands of all time. Absolutely. I don't care what you say. No question. Amazing. They're like, they're like a Radiohead. Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But when uh, the strokes kind of do it, it's kind of okay. It's a little tacky, but all right. But when like Queens kind of do it, I'm like... You guys yeah. are quotes, guys. Like, don't do that. Yeah, it's like it's like y'all can do a little bit better. No, you guys are stoner rockers. Don't don't do yeah, this. Yeah, you can you, you can go a little. <laughs> you have a different kind of bar to set. They hit the poppiness uh, on the head with uh, songs for the deaf. Yeah, that was you know, really good. There was some cool like poppy like stuff, even in Clockwork. Yeah, they had some cool kind of uppity stuff. But I think Clockwork was like a little more progressive. It was a little more like prog rock and like experimental. But it was still up. You could, I, I could feel that bounce. You know, yeah, that bounce is there. But D- definitely, I mean, I. But I, I think they abused it um, in their last album. Yeah, that evil thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, the, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think the the Smiths do need a, a place a lot higher on people's lists in terms of contributions to music. Um, Dude, you tracks, got Johnny tra- Marr in your band. Yeah, and you know what? Despite my personal gri- a guitar hero in his own right. Yeah, and you know what? Despite my personal gripes with like Morrissey's like outside of music politics, I think he's a good front man. I think he's got a very distinct. The dude has a complex the size of Asia. But yes. The dude also he's he's got a voice. He it's it's not the Smiths without him. No, it's not. Which is why that would be the circumstance that I'd want to see the Smiths on, which I don't know if that's going to happen. It's like John Lennon. I can't do with his ego, but it's mm-hmm. not the Beatles without John Lennon. Or you can say something very similar about Oasis and both of the Gallaghers. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that was a good you example. To, that was a really you, you good example. To, be, no, I'm ser- no, I'm serious because I'm not going to go see Oasis unless both of them are there. <laughs> Because what's it's not the, Oasis. Because what's the point if both of them are not there? It's called desert. 
it's just desert. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they've done some solo. I mean, Noel's done some solo stuff. Liam's done actually a fair amount of good solo work. And I think they said that they would come back together for a price and they would do it for like one night only, which I think it was an insane amount. I think I think Noel was literally asking for millions of dollars for one show, which, of course, because if you heard this, the infamous story in 2009, which broke them up, you mean, I mean, the dude swung a guitar at his brother. So it's like it got to the point where they were swinging guitars at each other. So it's like, yeah, you, to get them in the same room, let alone a stage for a night. You're going to have to really incentivize them in many ways. I would like to see an Oasis reunion tour before I die. If GNR can come back with Axel oh and Slash gosh. for a reunion tour, why can't Oasis? Be- Speaking of egos. What's that? I think you just said it. Axel Rose. But I mean, that's the thing. The thing is, is with the difference with Axel Rose is he carried on with the guns. and He actually that links back to what we were talking about. With the whole idea of it really being the front man, but keeping the likeness and the name and the brand recognition. Axl Rose did that before like almost anybody else because he had, you know, Appetite, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Then after that, he carried on with Guns N' Roses with just like a ever revolving you know door of musicians. When it comes to like GNR and then Red Hot Chili Peppers and then the Smiths and then um, what was that other band? I can't remember, but I seem to always favor the guitarists. Oh, Queen. Queen, yeah. Sometimes these, I feel like the frontmen. Yeah, they're a little bit. They're not my. Wait, 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 hold on. Queens of the Stone Age or Queen or Queen? Queen. Queen, Queen. Queen? Freddie's good, but I would take, um, what's his name? Brian May. I would take Brian May. You would take Brian May. I would take Brian May, yeah. If Bro, I were well, to take my favorite artists in all those bands, it would be the guitarists. Well, yeah, well. Prashante, yeah. May, um, Mar. Yeah. And then um, Slash. Did you hear about the the Red Hot Chili Peppers album with Frusciante back? I think that's what. Yeah, Frusciante. It's not. It's not Peppers without Frusciante. No, it's not. I I know they tried it with Klinghoffer. He he did an okay job with some of those albums. Uh, it's okay with the touring, <laughs> uh, but when you get John Frusciante, you get Californication. Mm-hmm. You get Blood Sugar Sex Magic. You get. Stadium Arcadium, which actually I know Stadium Arcadium does not have nearly the same level of greatness as Californication. Or and I don't like this song, but you also get snow. Yes. But I mean, I thought for a mid 2000s rock album, Stadium Arcadium is not bad. It's not bad. And it's. Oh, no, no. Stadium Arcadium is good. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's actually it's a solid, good. It's a solid album. Would you say it was kind of, it reminds you of like, you know, Green Day trying to establish relevancy during that era and they kind of got it pretty well? Yeah. Would you say it was similar to that? Yeah, but I mean, but I mean with RHCP, I mean, I, I feel like they've been around since the 80s, like the mid, early to mid 80s, very much in the underground breaking through in the but 90s. But Green Day late 80s, so huh? Yeah. Late into, yeah. Yeah. So and and they just had a different thing because RHCP's always had roots in funk music specifically, mm-hmm. um, which is honestly why I can say Flea is one of the greatest bass players to ever live. Personally, um, I mean I don't think he's no, don't look at me like that. He's no James Jamerson. Okay, James Jamerson is probably the greatest. I'll reserve my judgment for later. James Jamerson is the greatest bassist probably to ever live. But he's in my top ten. So Flea's not even making your ten, huh? I guess I will not reserve. <laughs> uh, you are the bass player here, so you have to. So this well, opens let's, the door. Let's not blow this out of proportion. I am not on Flea's level of playing technically, but it does not mean that I may not have a well-informed opinion on it. Right. So Flea and I, we share a lot of similar influences. James Jermison yep. and obviously Aston Barrett from the Whalers. Yep. Aston's one of his favorites. Aston's my favorite. Yeah. So I can I can hear where Flea takes from. And I think Flea does it very well. My problem with Flea, huge ego, yeah. first of all. So that all, check, check mark, <laughs> that's, that's a strike. The second thing, because you have such a huge ego, your bass playing is not that good where it justifies your huge ego. Right. So it's good. Yeah. Isaac, he's much better than you. He's, he's definitely better than I am. And I know that. That's yeah. not the problem. But what I'm telling you is I can choose out other bassists who are a lot more humble and who are a lot better. Like Thundercat? Victor Wooten. Yeah. Super humble guy. Super humble. Well, Thundercat too would be in that Thunder, category. No, Thundercat's great. Bootsy Collins. Bernard Edwards from Chic. 
Yeah, Bernard I Edwards. I love Bernard. Yeah, you gotta we, like Bernard Edwards. I know we can get into it another time. Yeah. Um, but Flea, he's he's good actually. I really like his uh baseline in everyone talks about can't stop, but his baseline, especially in the chorus, is really good. Mm. Um it's a great example of how he can be simple but can also be complex. Yeah. I know blood sugar and all that. Like Flea's a good basis. He's just way overrated. Yeah. Way overrated. That's fair. He does fit the rock bassist profile very well. Yeah. And I understand why he's he is in a lot of people's top lists. I just think that he gets blown out of proportion because he's Flea and his name is cool. Right. And yeah, as opposed to like the technical. And truthfully, ability. when you listen to him, even though he's actually a lot better than I am, when he's trying to be like all artsy and abstract, he's not really that great. Yeah, I, I I think I heard him and play the national. Just check it out. Watch watch the videos where he's jamming. When he's just jamming, when he's playing a song, he's good. But when he's jamming, he's not that good. Right. I've heard. I think I saw that Fender advertisement where it was his signature bass, and I was like, guys, guys, come on, please. That was a little. You're bit. killing me. That was. <laughs> was that you to Fender after you found out that he had a signature bass? Right. No. <laughs> no, I got a Fender because of uh, the Whalers and Interpol. And a lot of bands like that. The Killers, too. I, I do think that, actually, James Jamerson needs a signature bass. Why hasn't he gotten one yet? I don't know. That be, it, It's beyond me. Because... I know. You're right. That's a good be, point. Because the man cemented the P bass mm -hmm. as we know it. And I feel like it's only right for his lineage. He is and, precision. Yeah. And he did it with one finger. The claw. I forgot about that. Yeah, he did that the with the claw. claw. He put like the that foam uh, where the bridge is too. Yeah. His own son couldn't even play the bass lines the same way that he did, which is saying something. And why don't he, why doesn't he have a P bass? Sting from the police has a, I think a signature bass. I which, think so. Yeah. yeah. Which, which that's, that's not knocking Sting's bass. Sting is, is Sting is great. Uh oh, 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 he has a huge ego too, but he's good. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like it's almost justifiable when you hear almost justifiable. Almost. Don't you, you know what I feel about almost. Sting? Sometimes I feel like him and Phil Collins sound too similar, and they're both kind of a little money hungry. You know, yeah, a little, they're a little. They're a little. <laughs> as in, as in, in I'm this going case, to, I will definitely take the drummer and the guitarist. As a, as in, as in, with the case of Sting, I am going to take all of your royalties, Juice World, all of them. Oh like, my goodness, all of them. Yeah, dude. I'm taking it all. No. That industry does something to you. Definitely. Yeah, no, but um it'll make a we'll have to make a list of people with the greatest egos, but are my my favorite. Yeah, but that may I just, would take Sting and Phil Collins over some of the other guys I told you have huge. Absolutely, egos. because I feel like the the talent and the level of Oh, I would take I actually would surprisingly take Morrissey over a lot of ego. Oh, I, oh, I can oh I, I I have no doubt about that just because of He's too important the, for the Smiths for me to cast out like that. Yeah. But that might just have to be saved for another episode. So once, Yeah, we'll do it another time. Once again, y'all, thank you guys for <laughs> tuning in to the Work Tape Podcast. I'm Mitchell Palmer with the Best Shirts in Business, Isaac Groven, Groven Grover, Groven next Grover, to me, next to me here. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. We'll be talking about some massive-sized egos and whether or not their artistic talent justifies it. Uh, I think it'll be a great topic. Word. All right. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace.